0: I have, uh, when I first gave my life to Christ, and I was kind of arguing with him about, because before I even knew that I had eternal security, before I ever even knew that I had an eternal home in heaven, he had called me to preach, and uh, and I remember arguing with him, and I've shared it with you many times, about how I just said, hey, I can't be like the guys on TV, I can't do this, I can't do that, and he said, I just want you to be a spirit-filled you, and um uh, and he used an analogy with me that I'll never forget, and I've shared with you, that he's this big, great white shark, man, Carcharodon megalodon. That's a prehistoric one, not Carcharodon oh, cool. right now, but there he was, and he said, you're that little remora, and that little remora, I'm going to equip you with a head that's called faith that's going to allow you to stay stuck to me. And, and you know what? Through that, when you're stuck onto me as a big shark, he said, is anybody going to mess with you? Is anybody going to mess with me that way? No, so I'm, I'm fully protected. Man, uh, when he's in the middle of a feeding frenzy and there's scraps flying everywhere, am I gonna be lacking anything? No, I'm gonna be provided for. But one of the things that I'm, I'm thinking about today in this is I'll never forget what he said. He said, man, my big fins and my powerful fins are gonna take you places. You stay stuck to me, they're gonna take you places you could never get on with your own little remora fins. And how many of you ever tried to swim with your little remora fins before? You know, and, and you can kind of get around the aquarium a little bit, dude, but man, you stay stuck to the shark and he will take you places and bring you into things that you'd never dream you'd be a part of. And um, I was thinking about that as I whipped out my passport this morning uh, for this message. And um, man, you know, the early uh Uh, I guess it was the uh, early 90s. I got to spend a lot of time in Trinidad and then the late 90s. I got in in early 2000. I got to spend a lot of time in Jamaica all for doing kingdom work, getting to preach and getting to share the gospel and getting to teach people how to share the gospel and so on. And and then I got to spend a lot of time the last few years uh, in in Haiti and I've gotten to (laughs) go to Africa. I've gotten to go to a lot of places and. Um, And and so, man, I I just look in and it's kind of cool to look through and see your different stamps of all the places God took you and what he did in those places. How many of y'all have a passport? You guys have a passport? So how many of you have traveled overseas? And so there's generally four things when you get overseas that they want to know that are found in this passport and on the customs form that you fill out. And so these are four questions that um, I've, I've had to answer a lot on those. So I'd just get to Haiti and I'd be in the middle of Haiti and the first thing that the customs agent wants to know, the first question is, who's your daddy? <laughs> Everybody say that, who's your daddy? <laughs> who's, your daddy? <laughs> who's your daddy? That's really what they want to know because what's the first thing on your passport? What's the, do they care about your first name, your middle name? No, they care about your surname. It was only, I think, I was thinking about this yesterday Americans are the ones who have popularized the surname, (laughs) because we've gone from, you know, family to now individual is important, but most people overseas want to know what your surname is, they want to know who your daddy is, and uh, who you're related to, what's your... You know, what's the family name and all of that? In fact, in Haiti, when I first started going to Haiti, I'd say, hey, what's your name? And, and he'd go, oh, Joseph. I'd go to the next guy, hey, what's your name? I'd say, hey, Joe, man. And he uh, goes, really, Joe? No, it's Joseph. I'm like, all right, Joe. I'm like, no, Joseph. And i go, okay, hey, what's your name? He said, Joseph. I'd be like, what? What's your name, Joseph? And I know they're brothers, and I'm thinking, what crazy parent would name all their kids Joseph? Joseph. And I found out, oh, I'm Arlie Joseph. Oh, I'm Hodley Joseph. Um, because when they tell you who they are, they don't say, hey, I'm Tom and Laura. We're the Knowles." That's what they say. And they take great pride in that family uh, a- aspect of it. And so the so first thing is that, <coughs> what's the first question they want to know? Who's your, Who's your daddy? All right. So the next thing what they want to know is they look up here and they see the origin of your passport and they want to know where's your home, right? So the first question is, Who's your daddy? What's the second question? Where's your home? Where do you live? That's what because if I'm in their country, when I go in their country and I go to the passport, you know, go into customs, they know that I don't live there. And in fact, if I were going to live there, it would be a totally different process than the one that I'm currently getting ready to go through. They know that I'm just visiting. They know that I'm just going to be there for a short time. So they want to know where my home is. So who's my daddy and where's my home? Now, you know what the third thing is that they want to know? Where you yeah, what, what, what are you doing here? Where, who's taking care of you while you're here? Where are you going to be? They want to know the circumstances or, or what's involved for me being there. And the most important one is who's taking care of you while you're here. And so uh, why would they want to know that? Who's taking care of me? Who's responsible for you here? Yeah, because otherwise, then the government has to, right? And uh, Man, maybe we should ask that question, but anyways, I'm just joking. But So they've got three questions. One, who's your daddy? Two, where's your home? Three, who's taking care of you while you're here? And what's the fourth question that they want? The answer to. Yeah, how are you getting back? <laughs> yeah, how are you getting back home? That's what they want to know. And, and once you satisfy all of that, They generally give you the stamps and they let you right back into the country. Now, that's the procedure again, if you're not staying. And it's way different than if I was going to live in Haiti or if I was going to live in Trinidad or I was going to live in Jamaica or going to live somewhere else. And so, you know, in the Bible, the Bible teaches clearly. Christ teaches clearly. God, the Father teaches clearly. God, the Holy Spirit teaches clearly. This is not our home. Anybody agree with that? Yeah. Say amen. Yeah. Say you. Yeah. Yeah. This is not our home. And man, we can learn a lot from this process. We can learn a lot from this process in, in view because what's happened is we've come to this place and we have moved in. We've moved in and we've made this earth our home. And I will tell you that in your Christian faith. One of the most dangerous, detrimental things that will set you back faster and farther than anything else is when you start thinking about you and this place here. When your Christianity, when your walk with Christ is about you and it is about this place here You have missed the mark. Now, can you go find a church? Can you go find podcasts? Can you go find Bible studies? Can you find ministry that will help you focus on you and this place here? Absolutely. And I believe it's why we've not seen real revival. Because we are just pilgrims here. This is not our home. And so we need to ask the question. As believers, who's our daddy? Everybody say God. Let me ask you a question. Who's your daddy? God. God. Where's your home? Who is going to take care of you while you are here for this short period of time you're on this earth? His name is? Jesus. 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 All right, so let's get the first three questions all right down again. Who's your daddy? God. God. Where's your home? Who's taking care of you while you're here for this short period of time? Jesus. And who's taking you home? His name is Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you act like it? Do you live like it? Or do you live like somebody who's just answered the questions methodically and then now you've moved in in Haiti? And people are like, dude, what are you doing? Well, I'm just building me a house. And they're like, well, how long you gonna?" I thought you were. No, no, dude. I'm like, what are you got bringing in bricks, bringing in mortar, building a wall. And everything you're doing is about staying in this place instead of what you're supposed to be doing. So in this, the, what the context is of Hebrews chapter 3, where we are going today, um, where did my little white thing go? Emily handed it to me. Oh, J.J., do you have it? I do not, but I you do not. Did I put it in one of my pockets? I only have five. Oh, yes, I did right here. <laughs> All right. I have too many pockets. All right. So in Hebrews chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6 today. And in the book of Hebrews, what has happened is that we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but we know it was written to Hebrew people, both unbelievers and believers, people who were believing in old Judaism system, you know, the old Jewish system, and 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 they were rejecting Christ, and they were also people that were Jewish that had accepted Christ, but they were getting kind of tired of persecution. They were they were trying to figure out how this all worked out in relation to you know, uh, living here and and, and when they were going to heaven. Because a lot of people in that day thought rapture was going to happen. Give your life to Christ. Boom, the resurrection, the rapture, we're gone. It's all going to work out like that. And so time was moving on. And so they were kind of, man, I'm not digging this persecution thing. And there were people kind of wandering away from their Christianity, trying to go back to an old system, trying to find satisfaction in something other than Christ. And so the writer of Hebrews is constantly telling them there's nothing better than Jesus. What we first learned in the first few chapters is Jesus was better than the prophets. Man, we learned Jesus was better than the angels. In this section in particular, we're going to learn Jesus is better than Moses. And Moses was the man. Dude, anybody could be better than Moses, man. He's worth following. And what the writer of Hebrews is trying to say is, look, this is not your home. And all you need is Jesus. Just trust the process. Trust the man. Trust Christ. And watch it all work out because you're only here for a short time. So check this out real quick. And we're going to see these three questions or these four questions answered in here. He starts off by saying, therefore... Uh, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you have to go to the previous verses to see what the therefore is there for. And so you got to look back to the previous chapter and we preached that right for Christmas. You remember the little packages we had up here and what you got for Christmas? Hey, Tom, what's one of the things we got for Christmas? Do you remember what the card? Uh-huh. Oh. What was, the, yeah, you Bud. Yeah, yeah, you got it. No, no this is Tom Davis, man. You picked up one of the cards, right? Yeah, uh, there was uh, like. Uh, Which one did you pick up? Yeah, judge, jury, attorney. Yeah, he's the one who, who determines you're guilty. He's the one who paid the price for you. And he's the one who makes you innocent. And he's the one who, who guarantees you a home to heaven. He's like all of that whole legal system wrapped up into one, taking care of that for you. I remember Ann, who's not here. She must be mourning or celebrating the Cleveland Browns, uh, undefe- un- not undefeated. Un- winless. Winless season, yeah, sorry, right now. But uh, yeah, I remember she picked up, he's our artist, man. He's still working on us, man, the process of sanctification. All those things at the end of all these things that Christ is for us. He invented, he's our inventor, he invented the the whole salvation system. And none of us are smart enough to be able to, to, to satisfy God's righteousness and God's love other than him. He had to come up with this system. He invented all these things. So he says, because of all these great things that Christ is and has for you. He said, therefore, read to me the next two words. Holy Holy brethren. Brethren. You can say that. I was waiting to see how you would pronounce that. Like, holy brethren. (laughs) Or it'd be holy brethren. That's you. Say that one more time. Holy brethren. brethren. Yeah, it's not Batman. Batman didn't get his words from here. Okay. But holy brethren. Brothers. What does it mean? If you are brothers, it means you have the same what? Uh Same daddy. Right. So who's your daddy? God's my daddy, right? And so he's talking to people who God is their daddy. And so what an awesome thing. Can everybody in the world claim to be a child of God? No. no. But you see the messed up theology we have in this world where people look And, and yes, we're made in the image of God. We're not preaching on that whole subject today. But the concept is everybody thinks that people come into this world as a belief They come into this world as a child of God. That is not at all what the Bible teaches. Go read the beginning of Romans, and it it just tells you, man, you're totally depraved. You come into this world an enemy to God. Because to be a child of God, you have to be born again. Again, you're born into this world as a selfish person. Yeah, you may be cute, you may do good things, you may love people and all that, but it's not, you don't love God. And your goal is not to worship God. You're not a God worshiper, you're a you worshiper. So whenever you do anything good, anything loving, anything kind, anything beneficial, it's because you see a benefit for you in the end. Or your society. That's why you have to be born again. Not everybody can be can claim to be part of the holy brethren. Not everybody can say, God's my daddy. And so what's gotta happen as we, we share on this shirt a lot of times is that this black shirt represents what does the black represent? Sin. Sin, Sin is not only doing the wrong thing, but if you're but it's also not doing the right thing. Because if you're not doing the right thing, you're doing the wrong, wrong thing. And the right thing is to bring God glory. The right thing is to bring him glory. And so if we're not doing that, it's sin that's in our life. And it separates us from God. And just like this shirt, I can't cover this sin. I can try. Man, I'm going to try everything I have up here to cover my sin. All these good deeds, all these whatever. But I can't cover my sin. The red represents the only thing that can cover my sin, which is what? The blood of Christ. Christ came. As God and as man, 100 percent both, and He came to this earth sinless, and He left sinless, and He was tempted in all ways like us, but He never sinned. And when He died on a cross, He shed all of His blood, blood. and that was what was always been required for a payment for sin. You don't want to accept it. Whose blood can you? Whose blood can you shed? Hey, Roger, if you don't want to accept what Christ did, whose blood can you shed? To, to, to pay for your sins. Yeah, you can shed your own by dying and going to hell. And that's, that's not a good deal, bro. Isn't it good news that you're as close to hell as you're ever going to be? That's right. Amen. That's it. Because you're trusting in not your blood, but Christ's blood. And what he did on the cross, man. And so so it's when you give your life to Christ, it is called, according to John chapter 3, it is being what? Born? Again. again. With a spiritual nature, you're born again into a spiritual family. And he said, unless you're born again, you can't experience the kingdom of heaven. You can't see the kingdom of heaven. You can't get into the kingdom of heaven. You can't be a part of the kingdom because it's a spiritual thing and you are nothing but flesh. So it's only when you are born again that now you can answer this question with great assurance and excitement as to who your daddy is. So one more time, who's your daddy? God if you've been born again and that's who this particular passage is being written to so man who's your daddy that's the first thing we realize God's our daddy then look at what we got to see in this next little part look what he says read to me the next four or five part partakers of the heavenly calling okay now yes some of that is here we partake in a little piece of heaven in fact. The, the, the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit in our life is a down payment. It's just an inkling. It's a little taste of what heaven is going to be like and having him, you know, there in all of his glory 24-7. And there's going to be no 24-7 there. But the fact is, is we are partakers of a, what's the next word? Partakers of a, yeah, oh, does it say of a beachly calling? Does it say a water calling? <laughs> yeah, we have all these different callings here, but it is a heavenly calling. Because who's your daddy? And where's your home? It's heaven. That is our home. I am going to live quite differently in Haiti if, that, if I am just visiting as opposed to moving in. Do you agree with that? If you're just visiting somewhere. If you're just staying in a hotel, Terry, when do you travel next, bro? Tomorrow? (laughs) What? Where are you going? Atlanta. Atlanta. Where are you staying? The
1: Hilton Garden by the airport.
0: Okay. All right. (laughs) Is it, 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 do you live the same way there that you live in your beautiful home with your beautiful wife and your beautiful daughters and your two dogs that love to lick anything that'll allow them to lick? (laughs) No. You live differently in that hotel. I mean, you try to make it like home, Right. But do you have all your dive gear right there? Do you get an extra room where you can travel and bring all your dive gear into your study? And you have a garage at the hotel where all your... No, you live different where you live and different where you visit and where you are for a short period of time. And so, again, let me ask you a question as far as where's your home? Heaven. 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 But how many of y'all have moved into Earth? <laughs> Just being honest. How many of you moved into this world and now we are in this world, but not of this world? But that's when we get in trouble, when it's about this world, when our decisions and everything we decide, everything we feel is about here and us. It's going to get you in more trouble. You're going to have a harder time understanding the Bible. You're going to take so many things out of context when you make it about you and this world. That is not what it is. We need God-centered theology. It's about God. God the Father. He, who who chose to allow your sperm and your egg to connect to make a baby? Who chose to allow that? God, God, you ever thought about that? You know how many people were competing for that egg, Terry? You got it, buddy. That's why I follow you when we're diving, man, because he's a good swimmer, but I'm just saying. Do you realize what it took? You know God put that together. Man, who got you through 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 the whole prenatal era? You know, who got you through, you know, babyhood? <laughs> Is that even a word, babyhood? And who got you through being a baby depending on who got you through elementary school? Who got you, oh, how about this? Who got you through the teen years? Because your mom was ready to do what, Laura? Kill you, right? Yeah. I mean, look what God, he's brought you through. You are lucky to be alive, aren't you? How many of y'all know you're lucky to be alive? How many of you have ever fought for a breath? You ever fought for a breath and you didn't know you were going to get your next one? How many of y'all just thank God for a breath? (laughs) You know, you ever notice when you get sick? uh, I don't know if this happens to you, but does anybody ever just get the one nostril plug? You know what I'm talking about? how crazy is that let me just plug them both and leave a mouth breather I'll just pretend I'm diving all right but you get the one nostril plug how many of you does that drive you absolutely nuts you still breathe out of one and then it shifts doesn't it right you get that I'm not going a lot of detail but but I guess I just did but but literally man does that not drive you crazy how many does that drive you crazy? Yeah. yeah. And and it's like, oh, if this ever gets unplugged, I'm gonna thank God for, for having a clear nostril. How many of y'all got two clear nostrils right now? How many of y'all just thank God for that? <laughs> Seriously, praise God for that. Man, there's so many little things that had to happen. And and how did you get saved? How did heaven become your home? Did you deserve it? Al, yours close to perfect as at least that's what your wife says. As close to perfect as anybody, but are you perfect? Just close. Close, yeah. Just close. But one sin earns you a free trip to hell. One sin keeps you out of heaven. One sin is a free trip to hell. A ticket that's a one-way ticket that nobody in this room wants to cash in. But it's all we've got to offer. What had to happen is God in his goodness and in his grace gave us the desire and ability to believe what the rest of the world considers foolishness. You understand that people that don't have the grace to believe in what we talk about as salvation, that it comes from Christ alone and just believe that. They think that that is foolishness. It was God that gave you the ability to believe something unbelievable. Man, you didn't figure that out because it doesn't go from your head to your heart. It goes from your heart to your head. And it's only by God's mercy that you can believe what I'm preaching right now today. And you can turn this ticket in and have an eternal home in heaven guaranteed, man. (coughs) So, man, partakers of this. So God went through all of that to make you alive and let you be born the first time, Terry, and then be born again. He went through all of that. And and so we have a heavenly calling. Where's your home? It's heaven. You know, so after God going through that whole process, can you just say, no, I'm just cool right here. You know, forget this heaven thing. God, I'm cool right here. God, Uh, you know what? No, it's not our choice. It's not our choice. He created you for a purpose and you're not going to be content until you are doing and being who God has created you to be. And you're never going to discover that or find that until you understand that he's your daddy and your home is heaven. And it's not about here and it's not about you. So, man, look at this. So, so the first question is, who's your daddy? God. And where's your home? God. Now, look at this. The third question, i covering this next little part right here. And the third question, who's going to take care of you while you're here? Jesus, Jesus is going to. Who's going to take care of you while you're here, Sophie? Jesus. Re- Jesus. Right. Jesus is going to take care of you here. Check out how he's already taken care of us. Look at this. It says now consider this word consider in the Greek doesn't mean, oh, I consider them. I consider them. I just can't. No, this word means to stop, focus, take an in-depth look at. That's what this particular Greek word for consider means. It means to stop and pay some undivided attention to When's the last time you paid some undivided attention to Jesus? I hope it was this morning. I hope that it's tomorrow morning. I hope it's tonight. I hope it's every time he rocks your world and throws something in your life that's going to trip you up a little bit. And you're, all right, what is this for my life for? What's going on here? How can I see this from your perspective? That's his purpose in it all. But it says, stop and consider who Jesus is. Now, look at this. He uses two words for him, apostle and high priest of our confession. Confession means we agree with God that that's who Jesus is. Now, when's the last time you heard Jesus called an apostle? Do you hear that very often? No, it's not there very often. And this apostle means someone who was called out. It means an ambassador. That's what it's talking about. This word apostle means when the 12 apostles were chosen, they were now ambassadors. They were called out and sent out. To go tell people who Jesus was and what the kingdom is so when he's calling Jesus an apostle where was Jesus sent from heaven he was sent from heaven to represent who God God the father to who to us so he is the ambassador and that's why what was his name that we talk about at Christmas oh come oh come what's the name Emmanuel. All right, I carried enough tune for you to get that part, right? So Emmanuel means God with us. So God himself made it possible for him to become a man so he could come and show us what God was all about. He was the perfect reflection of God, the perfect representation of God to us. He showed us the rules. Steve, you share the gospel with humans a lot, right? All right, God called you to, uh, uh, you guys heard this illustration. I keep trying to come up with something better, but I can't, man. If God called you and your family to go in and be the Jesus for the cockroaches, would you do it? If God said, here's the deal, Steve, I want you to become a cockroach. I want you to become a cockroach and all your family, I can turn you instantly into a cockroach. And I want you to be able to go into the cockroach community and I want you to go minister to them. I want you to show them what, what I'm really like. Yeah, you've got to talk cockroach, you got to be cockroach, you got to look cockroach. You've got to trust me that I'm not going to let you get squished either, you know, not let you get sprayed, none of that. And you will become a cockroach so you can save a few of the cockroaches that will believe you are the savior of the cockroaches. Would you become a cockroach? Because my home is in heaven, and that's a temporary assignment. Yes. Dude, what a great Sunday school answer. No, I'm messing with you. No, you're exactly right. But I want you to think about that, and I know some of you have thought about it before because I've used the illustration before, but it could be a barracuda, man. It could be – that's a little better than cockroach, right? All right, I'll go save the barracudas. Oh, let me save the dolphins. No, it's like uh, – we're not even going to get into them having souls or not souls. But anyways, but, but seriously, that's what Jesus did. He came and – he went from the, the riches of heaven to the rags of humanity, which is way further than – than, than us and a cockroach. Here's us and a cockroach. Here's God and man. In fact, in Isaiah, he says, man, God's so much higher than you. God's thoughts are not your thoughts. In fact, if you think it's even close, it's from the heavens to, to here. You can't, I can't even measure how far apart we are. And so it says when he was our apostle, Jesus came and became us so we could become him. Jesus came down and he shared with us who God is. He represented God to us. He told us God's rules. And if he told us God's rules on how to be born again, how to get a home in heaven, do you think we can make up our own? No. No, But we keep trying, don't we? And he told us the way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he did that. And now, uh, let me ask you a question. Is he still revealing the Father to us? Yes. But here's what he told us in in John, you know, at the Lord's Supper, when they're fighting about who they're going to, you know, who's going to be in charge, who's going to be doing this, this, this. And they didn't understand the whole kingdom thing. He's trying to tell them, guys, look, I'm going away physically, but it's going to be better for you. I am going to send you another comforter. I'm going to send you another, which is exactly the same like me, only in a different form. It's going to be me but he's going to be able to live in each of you and it's the comforter which is the word paraclete which means to walk alongside you. He said, "I'm going to come and live inside of you. I'm going to God is going to be in you." And 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 so you're going to receive this holy spirit and you're going to receive power to become witnesses which means you're going to be able to to do everything I'm calling and asking you to do here so that you can tell people how awesome I am. And so instead of Jesus now revealing God to us in human form, he's now revealing it to us in the form of the Holy Spirit. Anybody here ever hear from the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And anybody here want to hear from the Holy Spirit of God? Yeah. Every, did anybody ask the Holy Spirit to show you things during the day? One of my favorite verses, John 14, 26, says this. He said, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll teach you everything you need to know. Wouldn't that be a great person to have? Tom Davis, wouldn't that be awesome to have somebody? Tom Knowles, wouldn't that be awesome to have? Man, hey, what's the answer to this? You could kick it on Jeopardy, right? But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about all the assignments he's given you. Hey, God, how do I do this? He says, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hey, when do I do this? Just wait. Now! You know? Hey, when? How's this going to? Oh, there it is. There's the resource. In other words, he says, I'm going to teach you how to do everything that I'm going to ask you to do. And for us older folks, he says, and in case you forget, I'm going, to teach, I'm going to I'm going to bring to remembrance all the things that I've already taught you. That's why I love that verse so much. But do you understand? He is still the apostle revealing God to us. But you see, it's just like your kids, man. Hey, Katie, you ever with your kids, man, you ever just try to tell them and try to tell them and try to tell them. And they just don't get it. After a while, you just don't tell them anymore, right? Wait till they're teenagers, right? <laughs> no, I'm just not. But see, no, seriously, that happens. And God's the same way with us. He tries to tell us. Try. And we want to do it our way, so the Holy Spirit says, all right. You know what? When you're tired of trying to do it your way, and you are try, tired of, of living in this world, and you are tired of the failure of all of that, and you're willing to surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about you. are willing to do whatever I say to do. You'll have the fear of the Lord. When you're willing to do that, then I will guide and direct and lead you and empower you to do it. Man. But how many of us are trying to do it in the flesh, man? All right, here's what the Bible says. Oh. How many of y'all feel like that way when you're trying to obey the Bible sometimes? You know, oh, it's so hard. That may be that you're doing it in your own flesh and not in the power of the Holy Spirit. So in this, he says, consider this about Jesus. He is our he's going to reveal to God everything we need to know and remind us of everything we may already have been taught by him. We're going to, he's going to take care. He's going to continue revealing God to us. So we find that through the word of God, through the spirit and in, uh, uh, um, interpreting it for us as we're reading it and as we're praying. Man, that's how he keeps revealing who God is and what God wants us to do in all of this. Now, that's God being revealed back to us. But now look at this next part. And what's the next word? Two words. Who uh, was? Apostle and High priest, man. High priest. So you know what? The, the apostle, he's the ambassador from God to us, but you know who the high priest is? That's the person who takes us to God. That's the person who takes us to God. Now, on the cross, Christ did that. He took on all of the sins of the world. I don't understand quantum physics. I don't understand all how all this, but in a period of three hours, only God in the in Christ could take on all of the past present and future sins of this world. He took them on all of them, yours, mine, everyone's past, present, future. And, and he took them and he paid for them all. And, and, and he, and makes us acceptable. He has now paid the sacrifice. So when God looks down on us, does he look down and see our sins first and foremost? When you, when you kneel down to pray, Hey Susie, are you better prayer on your worst day or your best day? Or does it matter? <laughs> Uh, Anybody here ever feel so bad like you're so guilty that you can't pray? How about that one? Yeah, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell if you're a believer. If you're a believer, man, you are covered by what? The blood of Christ on your worst day as well as your best day. And so, you know what? I got a feeling we're actually better on our worst day than we are on our best day. Because, you know, on our best day, sometimes I'm like, hey, God, look at me, man. You know what? Here, listen to me. I've been so valuable for you today. And he's like, oh. <laughs> and it's really my worst day. On my worst day, I'm, like, I'm like, like the sinner that says, God, I'm not worthy. And he's like, yeah, I know you're not, but, but my son is. And you can come boldly to the throne. And you can come to him. And so not only does he bring God to us, but he brings us to God. And its cycle continues. Is that not cool? Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question. To be taken care of in Haiti, okay? All right? I'm only staying there. If I have the richest dude. Now, in Haiti, people are either filthy rich or filthy poor, right? If I have the richest dude in the world who has the most political power in Haiti, I mean, the guy who can get everything done, would that not be the person that I would want to be communicating to me as to what I'm doing and how to do it and how to get it? And would I not want that to be the person to just be my, to be my communication in the countryside? That would be the one I would want to be in charge of taking care of me while I'm there. So while we're here on this earth, who's taking care of us? Jesus. Jesus. How does it work when we try to take care of ourselves, Roger? Uh, failure every day. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, dude. He's whipping out his credit card. God's whipping out his credit card. No, I got it. And you're like digging in your piggy bank, right? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about any resource you need to do what he's called you to do. Now, if you're out there doing whatever you want to do, that's a whole other story. So in this que- in this situation here, all right, we've got three questions covered in this now. And number one... Uh, where, uh, who's your daddy and where's your home and who's taking care of you while you're here? Does anybody here see a problem with this? Do you have, if we could fully understand this, would not life be easier here? Would not, we, would we not accomplish more for Christ while we're here, but who keeps getting in the way of all of this? Me and this world. And as soon as I make it about here and me, it messes this whole plan up that God's got. We've got to continually remember this is not our home. Our daddy is God, our home is in heaven, Christ is taking care of us, and we don't want to do anything to quench the Holy Spirit so we can't hear him and receive what he's got for us because everything we need to do what God's calling us to do, he's providing. But when I get in the way, and it's about me, and it's about what I want, and being comfortable in this world, God doesn't always provide that. you know He just doesn't and if you're busy out working trying to make that all happen, how much are you doing for God? <clears throat> now while you're out working, man, if you're in the occupation God has you in, you're in the profession God has you in, you're in the environment God has you in, that's what hey read to me what's this what are we here for? Oh, yeah. So wherever you're at, as you're nannying as you're selling boat parts, as you're Mermaid Cafe in, as you're doing all the things you're doing, guys, man, we're supposed to be helping others see life from God's perspective. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. But we've got to keep that perspective. As soon as it becomes about us in this world, we're in trouble. So now we go on. And uh, and and so uh, let me go back up here. Oh, go back, go back. Hey, I uh, hope I'm pushing the wrong buttons. Never mind, I got it. <laughs> new, new thing. So he says, uh, "Architect Christ Jesus. Now, check this out. He talks about Christ Jesus, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about him. And I'm going to kind of blow through some of this to get to the, to the last point. Um, he says, who was, this is talking about Christ. He said, who was faithful to him who appointed him. Hey, let me ask you a question. What does faithful mean? Full of faith. Full of faith. Yeah, when you are faithful, you are full of faith. Here's where we mess things up, is that if I were to say, who's the most faithful person at Driftwood Church at the Beach? Man, I think we would have to have a a contest maybe between JJ and EJ. Dude, what time does EJ get here, JJ? He gets here 30 minutes before I do. 30 minutes before, you. and what time do you get here? 7 o'clock. Yeah. Wow. Dude, EJ is here setting up taking care of all of this he will be the last one here tearing it down and we would say dude that is how many of y'all say that's faithful Yeah. yeah. that is not faithful No. <laughs> that's what we call faithful we look at actions and and so that's why we're in this performance oriented theology because now all of a sudden if that's faithful oh my goodness for me to be faithful I got to get here 30 minutes before EJ or at least the same time Dude, I gotta be the coffee. I gotta go make coffee. Well, you have to tangle with my wife for that one, and because uh, that's her ministry. She loves doing that. But what I'm saying is, is we if we start equating faithfulness with actions, and we start there and stop there, we miss the point. You know why EJ does this? And I'm only talking about him because he's not in here right now. He's down with his wife with the nursery, right? Yeah. Okay, good, good. Just make sure he's a little. I didn't see his bald head <laughs> shining right here. So, all right. So, you know, so the reason EJ does this is because he's full of faith in God. He is full of faith that God wants him at Driftwood. He is full of faith that God has called him to this tech ministry here. And so he is full of faith that that he is supposed, this is his position here at this church, and this is what he's going to do. So now there's actions that go along with that. When you're full of faith and you know what God wants you to do and you believe he's equipped you to do it, then, well, it would be disobedient not to, right? So it comes from being full of faith, and then the actions follow. That's what, if we're full of faith, then our actions follow. God says, jump up, told Carl, man, Carl, j- Carl jump up and do a hula dance on that chair, man. That would take some faith, wouldn't it, Carl? One, because you're a private person. Two, you've got your grass skirt. And three, man, I don't know how easy for you to get up on that chair right now today. It's cold, right? God. Yeah. So, but he would not do that unless God, he was positive. Is that not right, Carl? You would definitely not jump up on that chair and do a hula dance unless you were positive that God wanted you to do that. Is that correct? You would have to be, yeah, because you got a lot of questions. Dude, I, forgot, I left my grass skirt at home, man. I, I, I'd be so, you know, the bottom line is he's not doing it because God didn't tell him to do it. God told them to make their salon available for a Bible study, small group Bible study on Monday nights. And they have been faithful to do that. They are full of faith to use their business for God's glory and, and their good. And we have been blessed by it. Anybody could ever have revival in Leviticus, dude. There's eternal rewards for making a place available. It was awesome. And tomorrow night we get back and we're going to finish up numbers here. It's going to be great. So what happens is you're full of faith in God. But when you have faith, as James says, he said, faith without works is Dead. it's useless in other words you have faith that God's telling you to do something and calling you to do something you now put that into actions but don't get it turned around don't just start doing actions calling that faithful does that make sense here yes. Yes. because that's what we do and that's why we're squirrels that are swimming across the river we're fish trying to climb a tree man because God didn't call you to do it but you're saying well, I got to be faithful and do something you got to figure out what God wants you to do every single day every moment of every single day Nothing's by his is by accident. Everyone you encounter today, every situation come into your life is there by his design. And if you are faithful, what that means you're full of faith in him, that when that situation happens and you're placed in that, that it's by his design and you start figuring out what he wants you to do with it, what he wants you to do while you're there, how he wants you to act in that situation. Even if that means horrible service for lunch. Because I preached a long time in the Methodist beat you to church or beat you to the, the this restaurant. Which I'm not, man. I'm almost done here. You know what that means, Terry. <laughs> All right, look at this. It says, Christ was faithful. Hey, where did Christ get his uh, assignments from? And uh, even though he's fully God, he surrendered to that. He said, He said, Man, I'm not gonna do anything unless God the Father tells me to do it. I'm not gonna say anything unless God the Father says for me, gives me direction to say. I'm not doing anything unless God the father tells me so he was faithful to him to God who appointed him and it's it's spilled out in actions and he says just as Moses he's just interjects Moses in here because the greatest person to a Jew was Moses dude if I could have Moses walking alongside me I got a good good thing going on you know but he's saying man don't go back to Moses Go to Christ. He's way better than Moses. And he's going to tell us that briefly here. And so he says, yeah, Moses was faithful in all his house, just not as faithful as Jesus. He said, for this one, in his capital O. So who is that talking about? Jesus. Jesus. He said, for this one, Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses because he was more faithful than Moses Inasmuch as much as he who built the house I'm gonna blow through this and I'll go back and tell you what it means for in every house is built by someone but he who built all things is God in other words Moses just worked in the house Jesus built the house all right so, man, just like with the angels, you want to serve, the serve, go back to worship in angels? Jesus created the angels. Jesus instructs the angels, go to the main source, which is Jesus. He said, Moses indeed was faithful in all God, his house, which is God's house, as a what? What was Moses faithful as a? A servant. a servant. But Jesus wasn't a servant. He was a son. He owns the house. He's the master of the house. He's saying Moses was awesome and to be commended. I'm not putting him down, but he's nothing compared to Christ. He, and so, man, if you got a choice of going back to an old system that Christ was only going to be represented by, man, or you got the new covenant, which Christ is, go for the new one. Look what he says. He said Moses was a servant for a testimony of those things which could be spoken of afterwards. You know, he's talking about a shadow. He said what Moses was was a shadow, and Moses' system was a shadow of what Christ would do. Dude, when you're out in the sun, and would you rather have the shadow uh, or would you rather have the substance of the shadow? You know, if you're going to be there a long time. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, the substance, if you have the substance, if you have the umbrella, then what can you do with the umbrella? You can have that all the time and take it with you always. Christ is the umbrella, The shadow is just you like photobombing somebody's umbrella. You're just kind of high. You know, hey, can I borrow some of that shade? You know, that's you. And so what he's saying is you want just the shadow, then go ahead, go back to Moses. But if you want the real, the the, the substance, you want the one who Moses got the shade from. It's Christ. And he's available. Don't leave him. Don't lose perspective that who's your daddy? And where's your home? And who's going to take care of you while you're here for the short period of time? Yeah. Don't lose thought of that. As soon as you do, man, then you're going to be chasing shadows instead of the substance. So he goes on and he says in verse six, the last verse we're looking at. But Christ, the son, not the servant, but the son, not the shadow, but the substance over his own house. He was faithful. So Christ built the house. He's in charge of the house. You know, if we were to go over and and at this hotel over here, and I actually like know the GM. He's an awesome guy, Ed Griffith. And I'll just give him a perk right now. If you ever want like a a good hotel, you want a a good guy. And I think they're doing the other hotel down there, too. Ed Griffith is a great guy. okay, And, um, you know, good, good, good guy in there. Now, he's the guy who makes all the decisions at that hotel. The management, the owner said, you are in charge of this. Kind of like God the Father has given to Jesus. He's in charge of it all. And and so if I wanted a hotel room or I wanted to have church up on the penthouse up there, anybody, you guys have been up on one of the penthouses. They're pretty cool. We could could fit a bunch more people up there. And and if we were to have it up there, but I were to go to the girl at the front desk and say, hey, um, can we have service up there? And she's like, oh, Sure. And you guys start going to the parking lot. Hey, where are you going? Hey, we're going up the penthouse. Who told you you could do that? And it was the girl at the front desk. Would it be more valuable to have the girl at the front desk or the GM tell you? GM. Yeah. The GM. And so, so that's what it's saying here is, is, is Moses was the guy at the front desk. Jesus owns the house. He's ah. in charge. He's saying, man, who do you want to get authority from? Who do you want to get your instructions from? Who do you want to get the rights from? It's Jesus. And so then he goes on and says this, and we're done. He said, whose house we, who's we? All of us that whose daddy is God, whose home is in heaven, who's being taken care of by Jesus. That's we. It says, for whose house Jesus has the house, we are. Are. We are in that house. And that word house in the Hebrew or in the Greek is talking about family more so than a building. It's talking about a family structure that Jesus is in charge of. And he says, We're in that family. Is that not awesome? We're in that family because God's our daddy. Our home's in heaven and Jesus is taking care of us. But that last question, you remember what that last question was? Anybody remember what the last one was? Yeah, who's taking you home? How are you going to get home? Dude, you're in Atlanta, and you're in that hotel, and you're all of that. I know your heart, man. What at the end of your trip? You, man, what do you want more than anything? Why do you speed down A1A? Why do you speed? Or US1, or 95, whichever, the turnpike. Why do you look and see which one's going to get you? Go, you're going to be able to go faster on because you can't wait to do what? Do with my girls. Yeah. Yeah. You can't wait to get home man that's where we got to be guys but we're so in love with this world man and because our, our focus is there and and look he says man he said we're in this family and this is where the whole family going to be together is in heaven <laughs> This is just a little part yeah. of the family. All these little churches. Man, you imagine what heaven's gonna be like when the family's family. together. How many of y'all have gone to church with other people that you love dearly? Family. Yeah. Can you imagine when we're all together and we're worshiping Christ? Oh. We get back home to the family. Your little boy, right now, man. How old's your little boy, Laura? Seventeen. Seventeen, and he's where? Michigan. Michigan. But but where is he at in Michigan? In the infirmary. Yeah, in the infirmary, because he's got what kind of temperature? Yeah, he's sick man. Would you not like to as a loving mother? And if, if your answer is not what I'm looking for Give me the one I am <laughs> Would you not love to be able to take care of him with everything? He's got to kill you having him up there But good news what's connecting you to his prayer. And you're talking to the Heavenly Father who's in charge of him in Michigan as well as he is in your house Or if he was sitting right next to you He's there But man it's like he said, we're part of this family. And he says, look at this, whose house we are, if. Now, this word if gets misinterpreted because we're like, oh, you can have this if, <laughs> or you if. But in the Greek here, um, it can also be translated as since. This is not something, this is only conditional if you're not a believer, uh, between believers and non believers. But since we're believers, we are in this house since we will hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. You know, what, when, if you're not careful, the way you will read this is you will read it and you will think that, okay, all right, I, am, I, I know he said that when I give my life to Christ, I get what kind of life do you get? You got a home where? And, 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 and is that guaranteed for how long? Forever, yeah. Well, he said that, but this verse seems to think that if I don't hold on, if I don't obey, if I screw up, if I quit following Christ, if I mess up, I'm not going to be there. I'm, I'm not holding on. Here's the good news, folks. If you're a believer, you became a believer because who gave you the power to be a believer? The Holy Spirit. And if you're still a believer, who's the one preserving you as a believer? The Holy Spirit. And so and, and, and who's the one when you are dead, Ashley, when you are laying there and you have no life in your body and in your brain? Who is the one who is going to take you to heaven? Jesus. And you have no control over that. You have no power in yourself to raise yourself. But He takes you there. So it's all dependent on who? Yeah. How are you going to get home? Terry, how are you going to get home? Jesus. Yeah. Not from Atlanta. But from, but, but, yeah, to heaven. I don't know, man. I'm hoping not. I'm hoping you don't come home from Atlanta via Jesus. But I'm just, just saying. But. Yeah, we're not known for our prophetic ministry. It's a good thing. No, but, but seriously, man, I love you, bro. You got insurance? Yeah. All right. Seriously, guys, who's take, man, you know, he's the one taking us home. And so he says that we got to keep the confidence. Confidence is another word for faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why we've got to stay in the word of God. We've got to stay in prayer because that's where the Holy Spirit takes it all and keeps reminding us that my, uh, God's my daddy, my home's in heaven, and Jesus is taking care of me while I'm here, and he's the one who's going to take me home. And this little illustration, I don't know who this is for, but God gave me this illustration, and if I burn myself, there'll be rewards in heaven. But uh, maybe for stupidity, but no, but I know you want me to share this illustration. When I was reading this the other day, I was just thinking, and he showed me these birthday candles, how when you get born again, man, you know, you give your life to Christ. And dude, when you remember, how many of y'all remember when you were born again? Were you not on fire for Christ? But as the carers of this world and, and the persecution, different things come in, all of a sudden, you start losing, you start losing. You're, all right, they're not working now, JJ. No, you start losing it, and look what, magic birthday candles, they come back again. You know, how many of you have experienced that, oh, this is not right? All right, they're supposed to come back. The point that I'm making, and watch, when I don't want them to come back, they're going to be on fire, and they're going to be way down here, just like you predicted, Gary. Maybe we do have a prophetic ministry here. I'm just joking, but... But seriously, man, it's like, this is us when we know who's our daddy. We know where our home is, which is? And we know who's taking care of us, which is? And we know who's taking us home, which is? But man, every time we get it out of perspective, what happens is? It goes out. But magically, without a lighter, it comes right back again. <laughs> All right, maybe they're not anymore. <laughs> it's just hair. <laughs> it's <yeah. laughs> Don't worry, guys, I got aloe. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> No, it did. It, it, it was just hair, you want to know? No. All right. I can't. But listen, man, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, that was great. no matter how you feel in life, if you can go back to a point in time where you know that you surrendered all you knew about yourself to all you knew about Him, you're born again. And you got a home where? And who is your daddy? So who's going to be taking care of you while you're here for this short period of time? Jesus. Jesus. And who's the one when you're dead? (laughs) The minute your heart stops beating, the minute your brain stops moving, the minute it all stops, who's the one that's going to take you home? Jesus. So somebody needed that last part today because they got some questions. I just know. There's got to be somebody here just kind of wondering, man, I'm not seeing God work. I'm not seeing things happening, man. I've questioning. I, I've got all this piling up in life right now that occupies me. I'm distracted. I'm overwhelmed with everything. And you need to remember that you're a child of God. You got to remember your, your daddy is God. Your home is heaven. He's going to take care of all that right now. And when it's all done, he's taking you to heaven. He's the one taking you home. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for loving us and enough to really speak to us today. And again, right now, Father, if there's somebody here who's not sure that you're taking them to heaven when they die, they're not sure they've ever surrendered their their life to you. Father, I, I pray that you give them a desire. They can't refuse to do that right now. So they can with confidence with everyone else here be able to say that they know that their daddy is God. Their home is in heaven, that you're taking care of them right now through the power and provisions of your Holy Spirit. And even I think, Father, Jesus, I think of you being our, our, our advocate up there, how the devil accuses us every single day of things we are guilty of. Coming to God, the judge saying, man, look what Eddie did. Look what he did. And Jesus, you're my attorney that said, yeah, I knew ahead of time he would do that. And he's going to suffer consequences for it. And I don't want him to do that because I love him. But nevertheless, I've already paid for that. His penalty's been paid for. And you're my attorney up there. Taking care of us. A father, um, just like Terry, leaving the Orlando airport. Getting in his Jeep. Trying to find the quickest way back. So he can be with his girls in his home. <laughs> the people that he loves. Father, help us, like the first century church, help us to long to be in our real home by being busy while we're here doing what you want us to do. Help us never lose perspective and lose sight. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.